0: Hello, and welcome to Grand Canyon Echoes, the voice of District Three Toastmasters. Good morning, everyone. This is Don Griffith, your podcast host. Today, I have the pleasure of visiting Dr. Steve Bro in his home. Thank you, Steve, for inviting me in. Good morning. Steve, you're a Toastmaster, is that correct? I am a Toastmaster. And how long have you been a Toastmaster?
1: It is now 31 years. Wow. Three decades plus.
0: How did you discover Toastmasters all those years ago?
1: Well, I can date even further back. My father was a Toastmaster before me. And just a side comment, my son was a Toastmaster uh, as well one time. In the 1980s, I had a neighbor who was an active Toastmaster, and he said, Steve, you should visit our club. You should go see what we're doing. You know what? I was too busy, <laughs> and I didn't. 1990, 1990 or 91, it was 1990. I was found myself suddenly unemployed, and I suddenly had time <laughs> to visit Toastmasters. And as I already enjoyed public speaking then, you know, maybe hadn't studied it, but... I said, this would be a good way to meet other people. So I visited a Toastmaster club in uh, Newport Beach, that, where I was living. It was at a yacht club. And it was a really cool experience. It was sundown at a yacht club. You could see the boats rising and falling. And the small group it was one of the smallest Toastmaster clubs I've, I've been involved with. Um, there were under 10 active members in the club. And the club, I'm sure, no longer exists. It was called Lido Isle Master Toasters. I was invited to give an icebreaker speech. The, the week after I uh, had my first meeting, I went 14 minutes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what, what did you expect to run? What Did you have a plan for a shorter speech and it just ran the, and ran?
1: Well... I, you know, I didn't didn't feel like it was a long speech then. I know by Toastmaster standards it is, but the the DTM in the club, the senior dowager of the Toastmaster Club, said, "Steve, you just give your speech. Don't worry about the timing. Don't worry about the five to seven, four to six minute limit. You just give your speech, and you know, later on we'll work on timing of the
0: speech." So okay. they
1: gave me the signals. I just spoke.
0: You had license to do that. I did. It wasn't like you planned it to be four and it ended up being 14. It was just what you had to say in that first speech. Great. Yes. Great. Tell me about that very first meeting before you did your icebreaker. That very first, you walk in the door uh, to the yacht club meeting space. What was it like?
1: It was warm. It was intimate. There weren't a lot of people there. I didn't know that it was a small club meeting. I just felt like some interesting people, and they seemed to know what they were doing. I didn't know what it was all about. I was offered to do table topics. Steve, would you like to do table topics? I'm not the first guest who said no (laughs) to the experience. I didn't quite understand what the process was about. I didn't quite understand the question. I didn't feel the liberty to take my subject and go with it where, where I wanted, but... I, I didn't feel intimidated about it. I liked what I saw, and I said, you know, I can grow by this. You know, this this organization knows what it's doing.
0: And now you're very comfortable with table topics, I bet.
1: I, <laughs> it's my hardest area. <laughs> table is topi- Oh Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, sometimes I don't know where I'm going to go with the table topics, but some sometimes I feel like I'm just in a groove. It, it all depends. Uh,
0: table topics is a little bit more of a roll of the dice. Absolutely. I've noticed the same thing. But, you're not afraid to try it. I'm not. You get up there and you give it a go. And that's the that's really the purpose of table topics, isn't it? It's not to have the perfect answer. Yes. It's to be comfortable in those situations where you have to think fast.
1: It, it's such a game changer when when a person has confidence to be able to step up and do something. I'm going to give this little bit uh, insight early. So I teach a college class at Grand Canyon University right now and I've been teaching there since 2015. But I always tell my students the first day of class, participation in this class includes speaking in front of the class. I call up a student, introduce him in front of the class, and say, uh, Don has just given a 10 minute speech on a topic in our class, what are we gonna do? Well handshake I demonstrate a Toastmaster handshake and then applause and I ask the whole class to join me in applause and so I just simulate the process of giving recognition for someone who's spoken and it's one of the things with Toastmasters I'm able to carry out and extend to other people and invite them to have that same sense of confidence. I teach organizational behavior I teach right now the class I'm teaching is called a success course it is for students who are entering the university uh, with a two-year college degree behind them they're looking to earn a bachelor's degree the success course teaches them expectations about the degree about academic writing how to use the library learning to know other people in the community, and learning what resources are there to help them. So it's an eight-week course. You know, it really is a blessing to be able to have this contact with other people. They're, they're all mostly younger. They are all younger than me, but they're not all uh, 18 to, to 24. You know, some of them are, are older than that. It's, it's a solid blessing. And you know what? I can trace the fact that I'm doing this work now to my Toastmasters experience. The doorway opened
0: through Toastmasters. As it does so often with people. Yes. That sounds like your Toastmasters enabled you to do something. Do you think you would have been in a position to do that without Toastmasters?
1: Don, I probably would have tried. (laughs) Toastmasters has offered a lot more knowledge about how to work with people, work with leaders how to speak some of the technique and process from this some of the things you only learn by getting up up there and doing it and then getting feedback on it yeah i probably would have been gutsy gutsy enough to do this
0: but perhaps perhaps not quite as prepared to be successful
1: yeah yeah i would i would say that's definitely true
0: yeah I'm sitting in your beautiful living room. This is a music room, clearly. I see pianos and cellos and all kinds of things. Are you a musician?
1: I am a musician. Let me give credit to my wife first. Carolyn has got her doctorate in music performance. Her license plate says viola or violist, and she is a section leader with the Scottsdale Philharmonic. So I'm an amateur musician. i I don't perform with any group, you know, maybe someday that's something that uh, that'll come to me, but I play the bass clarinet. It's kind of a half brother to the saxophone and the clarinet. And I play the upright string bass. During the uh, quarantine period, COVID-19 restriction, I said, "Well, what can I add to my life to add extra reality?" So I said I I have a string bass in my home. Let me be the musician on the string bass. So I'm practicing regularly on both my bass clarinet and the upright string bass. It it really is an enhancer of life. And, you know, I don't have to have any other reason other than it feels good to make music and to see my skills take a step
0: forward. You know, in addition to us both being longtime Toastmasters, there's some more parallels here. My wife plays cello. Ah, okay. And I'm an amateur musician. And I've play trumpet. I played my trumpet for years and years, and you're right, it really enhances life.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, Steve, I understand you are an author as well. I am. Tell me about what you've written.
1: I write about leadership. I write about on uh, non-fiction topics. I write about issues related to leadership. I always begin with asking a question and then exploring it. And a lot of my method for writing a book has been by interviewing people, recording what I've heard, and then trying to look at multiple interviews, trying to find the meaning behind that. So if you were to go to Amazon, you'd see two of my titles on Amazon. One is Leaders in Transition, where I ask the question, how do leaders change careers and become leaders in the process? Uh, the next book I wrote after that was called "Leading the Way Up Mount Olympus: How Acts of Leadership Help Someone Become Successful." And I talked to 35 people about their experiences in doing something successfully and how
0: leadership helped them get there. How much Toastmasters goes into those books? You've been in Toastmasters 31 years, and over that time, you've learned a lot. Did any of that learning make it into the books?
1: So it's more indirect with that subject area. I think the common link is that Toastmasters encourages us to create, to not be passive, but to add put something on the table that's unique and personal and yours. in yours. in I give about one speech a month in my Toastmasters clubs. Each time I do that forces me to get my thoughts on paper and to create well, The writing process is similar to that. You're not a writer unless you've added something to words. Now, I'm not focusing so much on new works of writing right now, though I've got a couple of projects just below the surface that may may emerge. One's got to do with the concept of mastermind groups. And another one is actually another mastermind-related topic I'm
0: beginning to explore with someone else. I've heard the term mastermind, but it's not clear to me what that is. Can you oh, okay. fill
1: me in on that? Well, sure. And Toastmasters is a process which is very close to the mastermind experience. A mastermind group, I think it goes back to uh, Dale Carnegie, in and it goes further back than that to the Bible, actually, and Benjamin Franklin. Dale Carnegie used the term mastermind group to describe a group of people, typically men in his age, coming together in a conversation that continues over multiple meetings in support of each person's success. So, if I was launching a business and you were advancing in your career, uh, I might talk in confidence with you about what I was facing and ask for your thoughts about what I was doing. When you get a 5 to 10 people who are smart and concerned and have a heart you you can Develop new strategies and you can make a difference in in moving forward. Well, it's kind of similar to what we do with Toastmasters and building leaders, especially, and the process of evaluation. It's people who care about other people in the community. We're not in competition with each other, but just trying to help each other take another big step forward. So the mastermind group is not as structured as Toastmasters. Some mastermind groups are a paid experience. We pay to be there. But I had a mastermind group which met for several years. We just met at a Starbucks and other locations and, and just met informally. And I'm not going to say I had any great results other than I enjoyed the experience.
0: Right. Well, that's worth something right there. Yeah. Meeting people that you enjoy being with and, and learning some things along the way. Sure. You've been in Toastmasters a long, long time. Why so long? what could you possibly learn after 31 years? Well, it it is
1: about continuous improvement and continuous learning. Toastmasters is also about connection and community and being there. And right now, a great number of my friends are Toastmasters. This is where I have community. I might be confined to my home and not... Traveling the roads as much as I used to, but in Toastmasters, I can go to Zoom and connect with people. Beyond that, I enjoy the process of preparing a speech, delivering a speech, having the chance to mentor other people. I'm sure that's come up for other of your radio subjects, but you know what? I had a new mentor request come my way today, and I said, Yes, let's work out the details. I love working with other people who want to get ahead and and make their impact and i can have a a viewpoint on what they're doing and
0: uh, have some discussion with them it's it's a great feeling i know what you mean Uh, 24 years for me i have that same feeling it isn't necessarily that i'm learning something dramatic every meeting right but i enjoy the most like you said the people it is a community you you come for the skills you stay for the people and it as you said, we have a lot of friends and Toastmasters. I know hundreds and hundreds of Toastmasters.
1: I've got to share this experience, which is new for me in 2020, 2021. Being part of a Zoom meeting that meets like in London, in Qatar, in the Middle East, being invited to meetings that are international and seeing people from other states and countries sitting in the meeting, It may be a different time zone for them. They may have had to adjust their schedule to be there, or I may have to adjust my schedule. But it is so special to be able to connect with people all over the world. And Toastmasters International has had some videos over the last year and a half that I've known about, maybe longer than that. But they've had some general session, education sessions, which... It's incredible to see the number of people who are present and commenting in the the chat line about the Toastmasters experience.
0: I agree. The Toastmasters world is organized into various subdivisions. And at the highest level, it's regions. And there are 14 regions in the world. And I was recently on a, a call. It was a Zoom call for a committee I'm on when we had people from nearly all of those regions. Wow. So just about think of every time zone there is and we probably had somebody there. It's it is a fantastic communication medium that had already had always been there. Zoom isn't brand new, but very few of us had ever needed it or had explored it. There are
1: Toastmasters around the world who want to gain skill and affinity at speaking english beyond public speaking they want to sound like they know what they're talking about in english well i've been studying french continuously for years and years and years and i realize i haven't practiced it but i can visit a club in french and see how well how strong am i in in being able to communicate or understand colleagues there it's just an opportunity i haven't gotten to yet but i look forward to doing that
0: The other thing for me is, as an experienced Toastmaster, watching a brand new member come in and watching them blossom and, and grow and become confident. And if you wait long enough, pretty soon they're an area director or they're a division director or they are a, division, a, a district director. They're winning speech contests. It's really fun to watch the people grow in Toastmasters. Have you ever done any contests, Steve?
1: I have spoken on the district stage in both the evaluation and the international speech contest. I think it one or two times with the international and evaluation, I think... Three plus. I was disqualified at the division level for something having not to do with speaking <laughs> at one point, and that's always a bummer when that happens. Yeah. But but I I know I was on uh, the, the the national the Arizona stage. What did I say? International. Yeah. I was on the Arizona stage. Uh, I think two or three times with the evaluation.
0: For people who are listening who may not know about Toastmaster contests. We have a number of different kinds of contests, and one of those is called the International, and it literally goes to the International Convention for a final, uh, a final round. And it's the World Championship of Public Speaking. Approximately 20,000 members start the process of competing and going through the various levels, and it ends up with one winner out of all of those. It's really quite amazing to watch these winning speeches.
1: We have a world champion of public speaking in Arizona. He's not an active Toastmasters right now, uh, but I have the pleasure of having a former business relationship with him. So I've talked Toastmasters with him over the years and what it was like to be a winner of the world championship.
0: So who is this speaker?
1: Uh, His name is Jeff Young. He's a businessman out of uh, uh, Arizona, Scottsdale, Phoenix area he runs he runs a financial services firm
0: well steve i just learned something today i did not know that district 3 was the home of one of the past inter, or past championship speakers that's that's good to know
1: last i saw he was active with chats some years ago chats has had a transformation in its membership uh, over the years but uh, back when chats was a real small club Jeff was active as kind of its senior doge.
0: Mm-hmm. When you see a new Toastmaster, do the new Toastmasters come to you for advice? I know you have, you have a broader mentorship program that you, you're involved with and in this mastermind idea and so forth. But when a new member comes to you and says, Steve, would you be my mentor? Do you have those opportunities?
1: I say yes when I can. Yeah, yeah I'm fortunate right now I, I can make those happen right now, but I can't see why not unless I'm just too full with my schedule.
0: Yeah. Helping and giving back to the organization is another reason I stay in. It's one of the reasons why I do this podcast. I, we do this podcast, it's free. We don't charge any money for the podcast. I'm not compensated. You're not compensated for giving this interview. It's all for the benefit of our members and, frankly, for people who might be listening who aren't Toastmasters and are just wondering, what is Toastmasters?
1: I have a friend who I've known for over 50 years I discovered him recently on Facebook, recently a few years back, but I met him face-to-face for the first time this century, <laughs> literally this century. <laughs> uh, a week or two back, I invited him to a Toastmasters meeting. He stayed. He said he was interested, but he hasn't been back yet. So
0: That's all you can do yeah. is provide that opportunity. Do you have any advice to offer a new Toastmaster who maybe have expressed an interest in some of the things that you like to do, either writing or being involved in uh, education. Do you have any advice for those new Toastmasters?
1: So you're asking a career question about... Yeah,
0: yeah. If they've come to you or if, if, if they've expressed that, do you have any advice for them?
1: Okay, well, I'll begin by saying the reason... I took the journey, I I did, because I was very active in Toastmasters, and a Toastmaster in Southern Arizona said, hey, Steve's a hard worker, Steve's been really involved, I bet he'd have a place at the University of Phoenix. So I was uh, invited to apply for a teaching position with the University of Phoenix. I was accepted, I taught there for many years, I think over 15 years with the University of Phoenix had a great experience. I was invited to start a doctoral studies program there, which they gave me a discount because I was teaching there. So it made financial sense. It was a lifelong dream of mine. So the first answer is get involved, connect with people, have fun, show people what you're doing, and people are going to notice you. You never know where opportunities are going to come from. The second piece of advice I would give to your question directly is how do you create that new stepping stone toward a new career, create something visible, create something that you can share with people, whether that be a speech or probably a seminar on a topic or a YouTube presentation where you make a point or a short book, short book Is visible evidence here? This is a gift for you, too. By the way, this is a a short book I use as marketing uh, material for myself. It's not for sale, I just give it away to to people on a leadership topic. Mm -hmm. Give create something that hasn't been there before and let people connect with that and see what your potential is all about and get a bigger taste of you than they, they would get on a resume. Get let them have a chance to see your creative center. And it becomes much easier to follow some of those opportunities. Some of those doors will open for you. What, what I've discovered happens in, in World of Opportunities, it often comes where you will be sitting for months, possibly years, where there's feels like there's no breakthrough. And there will be a week. There will be a two-week period where all these opportunities demand your attention. Yeah. <laughs> and so you know exactly yeah. what I mean. yeah.
0: This little book that Steve just handed me, and, and I say little, it is about the size maybe of a pack of cards, Dr. Steve Bro, 52 Tips for Leaders, A Year of Career Growth. It's great. It's got his picture on the back. He's smiling at us. I'm going to take a look at that. Thank you, Steve.
1: It's called a mini book product. There is a publisher in Phoenix, which specializes in mini books. It's designed to fit into your pocket. Yeah. It could fit into a purse. And it was fun creating that. It didn't take as long as a full book, but you know, a full book might be 150,000 words. This book, I think, was maybe 20,000, maybe 15,000 words. I forget. It's been a few years since I released this.
0: Yeah. Great. Steve, do you have any questions for me? Tell me
1: why you stay involved as a district leader and contributor as you do is it similar to my reasons or is is there anything any different element of spice that works for you
0: there's a little bit of a different spin for those who who know me they know that i've been involved in district leadership for many years i was the district governor in 2002 and 2003 (laughs) and, and there was more But I started at the club officer level. I was a club officer for several times and then an area director, what we call now an area director, and then division director, and moving my way up. And it was all about service and learning. I was the district governor in 2003, and many years later, I was approached by what's called the International Leadership Committee. And what that is, is the nominating committee for the Board of Directors. I didn't know that existed. Okay. Yes. And the leader of the nominating committee it was a past international president that I knew. And she called and said, would you like to put your name into nomination for international director?
1: It was more than just asking. It was an
0: encouragement. It was, in fact. the Just the fact that she reached out to me was encouraging. And I had to give it some thought, of course, because that's a big step. The Board of Directors is the International Board of Directors. There's a director from every one of those 14 regions I mentioned. right? And they are responsible for determining the future of Toastmasters, the policies, the procedures, the the dream, the vision of Toastmasters is lives and breathes within the board of directors. And they have to adapt. They recently had to adapt to the COVID by making changes to our policies to allow, for instance, the Zoom meetings to happen. That that was something new for Toastmasters International. But the reason, when I ran in 2012, people would ask me, why are you running? And I said... I've been paying dues for at that time, 16 years, and I want to get my money's worth. Huh? I haven't learned everything yet about the organization, and which was literally true. I didn't know as much about the intricacies of Toastmasters International. I knew a lot about clubs and I knew a lot about the district and I knew a lot about giving speeches. But I didn't know very much about the governance of Toastmasters. Right. Right? So I told people, I haven't learned enough yet. That's why I'm doing this.
1: I have visited the world headquarters back when it was in Rancho Santa Margarita. Mm-hmm. And I visited the boardroom. So I I had a place. Was that where you, you sat in that board? I have.
0: We've had yeah. board meeting in there. Yeah, I <laughs> bet you
1: have. But it only meets, what, twice a year? Well, during COVID,
0: it was yeah, that's all changed remote, everything. and yeah. they've, I, they've kind of found that that really works. Yes. But when I was the director, we had two face-to-face meetings in each year, and they were at World Headquarters in California. Now, of course, our World Headquarters is just outside of Denver, Colorado. They made that move a few years back. They did, yes. but uh, Yeah, I stay in because I haven't learned enough yet. It's simple as that. I think there
1: was a past international president who said, if you get everything out of Toastmasters, uh, you'll never get out of Toastmasters. I bungled the the paraphrase. I think
0: it goes, if you get everything out of Toastmasters that you can get out of Toastmasters, you'll never get out of Toastmasters. Yes. (laughs) And the idea is there's always more to learn. There's always new people to help. There are always new friends to make. There is so much wrapped up in Toastmasters. It isn't simply public speaking. It isn't simply learning leadership skills. All of those are there, and it's a beautiful package. It's been around since 1924. It was founded by Dr. Ralph Smedley, and his vision of what Toastmasters could be and what it could do for people lives on. We're going to be celebrating 100 years of Toastmasters here, not too, not too far in the future.
1: I used to go swimming at the YMCA where Ralph Smedley originally really?
0: introduced. Yes, it was an old YMCA in Santa Ana. Yeah. yeah, he worked for the YMCA, and he used their facilities. And he had, back in those days, it was for men only. Unfortunately, we've, we've recovered from that mistake, <laughs> but it was for men only at that time. But it, it was mostly businessmen, Yes, uh, business leaders. Now it's not just for business people. It's not just for men. It's for women and men, it's for people in all occupations, and it's for people with all kinds of abilities. It's not for people who are orators, Right. it's for people who want to improve their communication and leadership, not necessarily perfect it, but to improve it, and use it.
1: So I want to get a little philosophical with you for a moment about the nature of knowledge. Okay, so you, I know you are experienced as an engineer, and a lot of engineering knowledge can be documented on paper. You can learn it from a book rather methodically. You can go through self-study. You can go through t- classes. Toastmasters is a different kind of knowledge. Toastmasters, you know, we perhaps have the, the, the best program in public speaking in the world, and you can't learn from it in a passive study at home manner. It, it requires personal, interpersonal engagement. It requires connecting with other people and taking risks in a way that perhaps studying engineering doesn't. Beyond that, the fact that the Toastmasters experience that you have and the Toastmasters experience that I have, th- there's different learning that's true for you in the work that you do that's different from the toastmasters learning that I've had and it doesn't mean that my my learning is superior to yours so when we mm-hmm. get evaluation from another member and they say oh you need to do more physical gestures well that may be true from what they know about toastmasters but there may be a different knowledge that applies to a, another toastmaster so yeah. knowledge the knowledge of how to influence people and be effective as a speaker or to, or to entertain people as a speaker may be different in Arizona than it is in New Jersey, than it is in Israel. Yeah.
0: I appreciate your, your distinctions of those two knowledge systems. And I will challenge you to tell you that they're closer than you might think. The engineering side of things, yes, it's very buttoned down. It's analytics, it's math, it's charts and tables and graphs, algorithms, yes. But that's all book learning. Yes. When you actually have to go do something real, you have to go out and try it and make mistakes. And you need to get correction. Sometimes that correction comes rather dramatically when you turn the switch on and everything blows up. sometimes the mistake is found when you thought everything was fine, but your customer calls and says, hey, this doesn't work. In Toastmasters, we make mistakes all the time. Now, we don't try to make mistakes. It's not like we're, oh, I'm going to give a speech that's so bad, I'm guaranteed to make mistakes. No, but you will do, you will not achieve what you maybe thought you wanted to, and you'll learn from it. It's one of the many leadership books out there that, to be honest, I've forgotten the the author, but it's called Failing Forward. Mm -hmm. The idea that we're going to fail. Not everything's going to succeed. So what do you do about it when it happens? Do you give up? Or do you get up, dust yourself off, and say, what did I just learn from that fall? And move forward and add that to your experience and your experience your kit of capabilities? I think the military has a concept
1: called the after-action review, where you engage in a mission, and then after the mission you review what happened. Well, we do something like that in our Toastmasters meeting when the general evaluator reviews the meeting and offers suggestions for making the meeting stronger. Unfortunately, a lot of people serving as a general evaluator don't give a clear enough or fair enough assessment of what's going on where they they perhaps offer a, uh, a suggestion for improvement or they they all, they don't
0: open the door enough which of course is an opportunity for improvement for them it is <laughs> and that's the thing about Toastmasters it is always something to improve there is no such thing as a perfect speech There is no such thing as the absolute best table topics answer. There are grades of success, and we will try to make you better no matter what it is. I tell young, I say young, inexperienced Toastmasters who are doing their first evaluation, look, we know that you haven't been in very long, and you may not know the terminology. Maybe you don't know exactly how to say what you have. So let me start with, what did you hear, what did you see, and how did you feel? That's a solid kind of evaluation. It is. Later, uh, you will become more adept at offering constructive ideas for making it better. But there is no such thing as a perfect speech. And I've heard a lot of Toastmasters say, oh, it was great, I can't think of anything to offer as a suggestion. Which might have been true. They couldn't think of it. But it's not true that there was nothing that could be improved.
1: So what I tell the people who are working with me when they say, how do I give feedback when the speech is so good that I can't improve it? Here's my strategy. Find the best part about the speech for you and remark about the fact that this was a high point of the speech for you. Point out what they did really well. You don't necessarily have to find something to kick them. <laughs> you don't have to be critically negative right. about them, but you can point out the best part. And what was it about that best part? Yes. I think it's part of the spirit of our organization that we help the speaker feel stronger about what they've got to offer every time.
0: Yeah. Steve, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate your comments, and your time, especially, to give to the podcast. I'm sure our members and our visitors will enjoy listening to this. Thank you so much for being on the podcast.
1: Thank you, Don. I have enjoyed this as well.
0: We hope you enjoyed this edition of Grand Canyon Echoes, the voice of District 3 Toastmasters. To volunteer to be featured on the podcast or to suggest future topics, write podcast at aztoastmasters.org. That email again is podcast at aztoastmasters.org. Toastmasters International and all other Toastmasters International trademarks and copyrights are the sole property of Toastmasters International. This podcast is independent of Toastmasters International. It is not endorsed by, sponsored by, affiliated with, or otherwise connected with Toastmasters International other than for the use of the name Toastmasters International.